Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You are now listening to the Dual Position Podcast. The boys are back to talk all things super coach all season long. Please welcome your hosts. Whisper and Brew. If you want to win your Supercoach leagues, there's no point playing it safe. Any genius can tell you Chris Randall's a good buy. Any genius can tell you someone like a Lachlan Ilias must be in your side. But what separates the men from the boys is the pods, the differentials, the PODs, the point of difference, the uniques, whatever you call them. The guys sub 10% owned... They were, that is where we need to be, isn't it, Brew? That's where we need to probably have a couple in our sides to really separate us from the pack because when Randall or Ilias or Amon goes big, no one really wins, do they? Yeah, that's exactly right. I don't condone picking a full side as we're going to do today of pods, but I think you certainly need to have at least a couple. You know, I think three or four in your squad is probably a good number. That you're still going to have differentials. Obviously, fullback, there's, you know, three or four options that you can run with and there's only two spots and similar with hooker. So you're going you're gonna to have options in the halves, hooker, fullback to really have your pods. Potentially center. Center is a place that I really love to, to have pods occasionally in the second row. I don't really go too out there in other positions, but they are very, very important. They're... That and captains are probably two of the most key things to having a really strong year and a strong finish. So what we have done today is Brew and I have compiled two separate sides. Now, are we saying these sides are our teams? Absolutely not. Are we saying these are sides that you should run with? Absolutely not. But there are a few gems in here that are owned by less than 10% of teams that you could definitely pick up. So what I've done is I've built a complete side with a full bench, no nuffs. Uh, Brew has put a couple of nuffs in that are 10% that he thinks are going to get a run uh, some stage during this year. And then to top it off at the end, I've got my top five for each position. Uh, just the way we built the side, sometimes we couldn't fit them in due to money or whatever. Uh, but yeah, I'll give you my top five of each position as well. Uh, but yeah, just wanted to caveat that straight away, that the sides you're about to see are not our sides, um, but they are pod players, less than 10% ownership that we do like, uh, and try to fit them into a squad. So uh, when you're about to see my side to start with, don't judge too hard, um, but there are some nuggets in there that we do like. So we'll get straight into it with, I guess, my sub 10% team. So for you guys on YouTube, you can see it laid out in front of me. For you guys that are listening through audio only, we will do our best to, to explain it up top. I've gone with Aaron Clark, 300k, less than 10% owned. All of these guys will be. Uh, I don't have the exact ownership numbers on the top of my head, on the top of my head, um, but yeah, all of these guys are, are either 10% or less than 10% owned. Uh, so I've gone with Aaron Clark at 300k now. For Aaron Clark, he is probably the best option outside of Randall. That's sub 300k. That's going to get a run. Um, I've paired him up with Corey Pakes as well. Look, if Corey Pakes gets a run, 205k, even if he starts. He's definitely warranted on, on a lot of sides benches. 
505k for these two hooker combos with probably less than 15% ownership between the two of them. I think you could you could go worse. If you wanted to go away from Chris Randall and, and you're worried about sort of the minutes that he played, whether Phoenix Crosland comes on or or Kurt Mann shifts to nine, then Aaron Clark, what do you reckon, Bruce? 60 minutes, he could pump out some good scores, make some good coin? Uh, p- potentially. He's not someone I personally would run with if I was going for a pod in that position. Uh, but I don't mind the option. If, if he gets if he gets bulk minutes, uh, draw's not too bad. He could be a solid option. Yeah, I'll, I'll mention that I've seen Bruce side before we recorded this. I wanted to try and have as many different players as possible. Um, there's a couple of, there's a couple in Bruce side that, that I really like, and there's a couple in my side that Brew really likes. So we, we kind of wanted to go away from just having the same 25 names uh, for, for across the, the pod side. Mate, what more is there to say about Corey Pakes? If, if he does get this nine jersey, even if he's only playing 40, 45 minutes, 205K, it's pretty hard to pass up. For me, I'm, spoiler alert, I'm 100% locked into Reed Marnie. He's my nine. Beside him will either be Pakes if named in the nine or Randall. At the moment, it's Randall because I'm not quite sure that Pakes gets that jersey. And even if he does get it, I'm not confident that he holds it. I think there's going to be quite a rotation system, unfortunately. Kevy doesn't seem to pick and stick. He seems to, when the going gets tough, he gets the boot out and puts someone else in there, unfortunately. So my confidence in Pakes not becoming a trap is not there. So I probably will favour Randall. Yeah, totally understandable. Look, um, I've also got five names here that that we'll list out at the end of the episode. Um, Guys that... Yeah, don't have any any kind of price limit on here. We try to squeeze as many options as we could into the teams and, and have it some, somewhat as a formulaic team. Hey, talk to me about Junior Paulo because pre-Origin, he always seems to, to kill it. He's a guy similar to Christian Welch that does get rested heavily through Origin, but with Parramatta's draw, the first 10 rounds, he is, what, 487K. He's a big body that can find the line. We know he's got the ball-playing skills, the offloading skills. I feel like we're not talking about him enough at, I think, 6% ownership for, for Junior Paulo. You go back 12 months and Junior Paulo was the flavor of the month. You go back, you know, not six months, 12 months, sorry. Um, and you go back to probably round four, five last season. The the themes on the podcast were, do I get Junior Paulo in or not? Like, is he a must-have was that question that we always raise throughout the early rounds of the season. If someone is a must-have, that was his tag last year. And he started the year like a house on fire. He was, you know, the one of those guys that was the flavor going into the preseason because we had run the numbers from the year before and we looked at it and said, hey, if this guy gets a, an uptick in his minutes, his PPM's insane, he could average 65 plus. And that's exactly what he did to start the season. He was also heavily involved in the attack. Yeah, I think he scored, I don't have any any stats today. Um, Two or three tries in the first few, six weeks. Yeah, yeah. In, Correct. That's right. And they really bumped his scores up. He started getting in that 90 to 100 range week in, week out and really became a key guy to own. Now, yes, he fell off a cliff. Yes, his minutes went down through the origin period. He did finish the season from memory a little bit stronger than he did in the middle. But who's to say that, you know, another year on, you know, I'm sure he has aspirations of maybe an origin jersey or something like that. Who's to say he doesn't start again? Parramatta have another favourable draw to start the year. We've spoken about it heavily. Eight rounds, seven of them are really good matchups. Who's to say he doesn't go on a try scoring run again? He doesn't get the attacking stats and he doesn't, you know, 
walk out for the first six to eight weeks and have a 70 plus average and be a monster pod. I certainly support this move. He's in that similar price range to your Utakamanos, your Adam Fanoa Blakes. He's, you know, 20 cheaper than Fanoa Blake, but the only three names we're really hearing, maybe four if you include Arrow, Utakamano, Payne Haas, and AFB in the in the forwards. No one's really mentioning this guy. And from memory, I think he's four percent. Uh, six six but six percent. I mean, for like for that's, what for what Jimmy Paul can man. do, for what he can do to a side. And if he does score two or three tries in the space of a month, he's not a prop. Like he's a prop four. He's similar to, to Daniel to Daniel Saifidi, Sorry, that can just find the line. He's a prop that will. Don't be surprised if Junior Paulo scores six, seven tries this year because he's just a guy that that can just fall over and get himself in the right places. Uh, at six percent, oh, oh yeah, I'm not going to turn teams away from picking Junior Paulo. Uh, nor am I going to turn teams away from picking Tavita Tatola. To be honest, look, he's only owned by one percent of teams. Three hundred eighty-four k, hundred k cheaper than Paulo. 80k cheaper than Uto Akamano, 120k cheaper than AFB. Mark Nichols not getting any older, and uh, not getting any younger. Obviously departing the club as well. Thomas Burgess, he seems to have question marks over his security in the starting side. I see an uptick in, in minutes for Tavita Tatola, and, and he's a guy that could easily pump you at 55, 60 points and a 384k, one percent ownership. Another one of these guys I'm really sort of looking at. I'll be honest with you. I hadn't even thought about Tavita Totola. Um, I owned him the year he kind of burst onto the scene, I think. And I, he was one of those guys I couldn't get rid of, but it actually came in handy later in the season. I think his minutes upticked a little bit and he was getting a consistent 45 to 55 from memory. Occasionally he got a little bit higher. Minutes were always the problem, not his work rate, uh, not the player that he is. So if the minutes are there and he becomes a leader of this pack under Demetrio, then yeah, it's a good shout. I actually hadn't looked at it. I find front row forward for me, what the problem I'm finding is you've got, you got Bullimore, you've got Tanua Brown, uh, who also is in my side, probably your side of cut member. So we'll talk about him in a sec. You've got those guys in that 275, 280. And then you go all the way up to your Utakamanos and your Arrows, and there's not a whole lot of options in between now that Jacob Saifidi doesn't look like he's going to start. So Totola might be a guy that, you know, if you're trying to build a squad and you find yourself in a position where you're like, shit, I've only got 350. What do I do? Do I go down and take 70 elsewhere? Or do I try and take money from elsewhere and go up? Which is exactly where I've been spent most of my day today. <laughs> I have spent way too much time on Super Capes today and not doing enough work. We all <laughs> that he, he, you know what? I will say this to the fans appreciate this podcast because I wiped my team that I really liked to build that side. And because I did that, I had to rebuild my side. And yeah. initially, I started building it just as it was. And then I was like, oh, wait, you know, why not? I can do this, I can this do guy. this, I can swap this around. Guy. Yeah, <laughs> oh, one of those, you know, memes needs to pop up on the screen that says 12 hours later, and maybe I finally got something I kind of like yeah. now. So you're welcome. <laughs> um, but yeah, on Tavita Tatola, you're right. Like it, it seems to be a, a Bullymore or a Tanua Brown or a George or, or a um, a George George Tom, whatever the the, the dragons, Bur- the, the dragons Burgess. They're all in that sort of mid two hundreds, and then yeah, you, you're jumping up to Paul Vaughan, you're jumping up to Lindsay Collins, you're jumping up to Stefano. There's not much in between. At three hundred and eighty k or whatever he is, three hundred and I can't say it. Three hundred and yeah, 84K at 1% ownership for Tavita Totola. Uh, could be one of those really good bridging gaps there. Hey, for, for my two bench spots, we've, we've spoken plenty on Tanoor Brown. 
Todd Payton rates him highly. He has headhunted him from the North Queensland for the North Queensland Cowboys, from the Warriors to the North Queensland Cowboys, and he is still only at four percent ownership. It looks like he's going to get a start. Less than five percent for a, a guy that's less than two hundred seventy-five k. Most likely will start. People will say, "Oh, what if he only punches out 43, 45 points?" I'm over the moon with that. I'll take it. I'm over the moon with with two hundred and eighty k spent to get forty-five points for six weeks, and then we move him on. Like I'll, I'll take yeah. it all all day. It, exactly right. And what people are f- failing to realise there is, is in doing that, you've probably saved two hundred k, which you could then used elsewhere. So what have you used the two hundred k on? It's a balancing act. If that 200, like at the moment, I've got a pretty stacked halves combo, which I wouldn't have if I wasn't going the cheaper route into Noah Brown. Yeah, 100%. Hey, I've also uh, come across Spencer Lenu. Now, everyone's talking up, like I said, Burgess and, and Bullymore or whatever, but th- they are bench risks. Lenu will come off the bench. We know that. But he's another year older, another year wiser. I expect him to break out this year. He could be honestly one of the biggest breakout candidates. And at 257K... I think he's only 2% ownership as well. He's a bench sheepy that I much prefer over someone like a bird just f- for, what, 10K more? And I I just think he has all the upside in the world, Spencer Lenu. His minutes were kind of monitored a little bit last year. But, I mean, shit. Scott Sorensen's now moved into sort of that back row rotation. There's going to be some minutes there available for him. And I'm really keen to see it. Yeah, he burnt me last year. So he's not a guy that I'm considering in the same way that I'm considering Tunnel Brown or Bullimore, who are potential starters. But your comment regarding, say, George Burgess is, is a quite accurate one. You're talking about chalk and cheese. Burgess might have more pedigree, but Lenu is a hell of a lot younger. He's playing in a very good side. If they do start to build him into a bigger minutes guy, then absolutely there should be, there could be some cash to be made there. You know, it only takes an injury in the forward pack. You know, Fisher-Harris has been known to have not so much maybe in recent times, but over his career, he certainly had an injury or two. If an opportunity arises and he gets more minutes, well, it's game on because he is a PPM weapon. 35, 40 minutes is kind of all we need from Spencer Lenny for him to pump out 45, 50 points. Uh, yeah, he, he's, a, he's a bloke that just churns through work and uh, expect him to be one of the biggest breakout candidates, I would say, this year. I don't think he, he cracked into the starting spot because uh, it's hard to get over Moses Leota and James Fisher-Harris, obviously, but he could have a big uptick in, in minutes coming off the bench and, and don't look at that bench tag as a bad thing. I, I think if he gets the minutes, he could be there or thereabouts. In the second row, I know that he's come off the back of a shoulder reconstruction, but at 614k, I'm surprised there's not more love for, for Cam Murray. You take out the injury game that he had last year, you take out the one game that he had it in the back row, he's pure average playing 13 with 77 points. And we're getting him at 614k. I understand South Shore isn't great, but like you're saving a trade. Like If people are picking up um, someone like a Harry Grant or a Cameron Munster to save a trade. I don't know why we're not speaking about Cameron Murray in the same breath. At only 7% ownership, we know what he can do. Like He's he's now the captain. I expect him to play big minutes. I'm really, really pumped to see what he can do this year. Yeah, he's one of the guys I want to get into my side really quickly. Him and, him and Angus Crichton are the two guys I want to try and find the cash to get in as soon as I can. I, I think it's kind of gone a little bit under the radar. I know you we spoke about it and you did put out a post about it, but you know, a week is a long time in rugby league and a week is a hell of a long time in a rugby league preseason for super coach. So it might be simply that it's forgotten. I think it's a little bit because we haven't seen him so far this year. We haven't heard much about him. The draw is tough, but he's a forward. I don't think it really matters. It just probably means that he's not going to get a line break in a try. 
his work rate will still be there. He'll still make a you know hell of a lot of tackles. He'll be involved. He'll have a really good base plus power. So I like the call. I just think if you go in for feeder, for example, it gets a little bit hard to carry for feeder and then another six hundred plus player. I've I've had a few molds where it's for feeder and Angus and then others, but I, I just find I can balance the side a little bit like distribute it a little bit more evenly across squad as opposed to position if I don't go the 600-plus guys. Yeah, so on, on the surface of things with Cameron Murray, average 70.1 last year, but like I said, you take out the game that he played in the back row and you take out the game that he played at 13 when injured, his actual average was 76.7. So 77 points a game at just over 600K. Cam Murray is a guy that I'm going to be very, very scared to watch round sort of four onwards when I, when I don't own him. So I think you're right there. I'm going to try and get him in my side ASAP. Uh, apart from Makahisi Makatoa, one of the other guys that impressed me the most in the trials across both weeks was Luciano Lelua. We touched on him in the Tigers podcast. He's only 6% ownership, Rue, and he's 539k. He has all the upside in the world on someone like a Britain Nakora or all the upside in the world on someone like a Stilly Tupanua. They have the same ceilings, but as we said the other day, Luciano's floor is just that little bit higher and for the extra, what, 60K we're spending at 6% ownership, I feel like he's going under the radar because he's in a bad side, but that could go hand in hand. He's in such a bad side. He's by far and away the best forward that they're just going to use him and they're just going to abuse him week in, week out and tell him make as many hit-ups as, as need be and tackle your ass off. I don't think there's certain types of players that being in a bad side doesn't really matter. You know, in my opinion, Dave Fafita has been in a bad side for his whole career. Whether it's the Titans or the Broncos, mm-hmm. they're, they're pretty. I know the Titans scraped into the eight last year, but their winning record wasn't very good, and I'm, they got pumped a lot of times. And the Broncos obviously got the spoon, either the season before that or the one before that. I can't remember. So these type of players who are really high on attack and evade stats, they don't. The, what side they're in doesn't matter all that much. All they need to do is create their own moments, and sometimes because they are the way that they are they get the ball a little bit more and it's kind of like do something. You know, we saw it with Fafita a lot last year. They would just give it to Fafita and he would just run like a madman. And next minute he's popped an offload or he's made a line break or he's crashed over for a try. And even, you know, being in that side, it didn't stop Fafita from scoring 160. I think it was twice last year. So I'm not too worried for the forwards when they are of that nature because they make their own junk basically and lucy fits that mold so and the draw and the draw is pretty good for the tigers to be honest and i don't think they play the first buy so he's probably going to be a guy that you would try and move on because ideally you're going to want you know for feeder angus murray those probably three are going to be in the majority of sides by round 20 let's say so you might move leilua on Anyway, so if he gets off to a hot start, gets you some points, maybe he does break the 600K mark. You've got points plus you've got a little bit of cash. There's a benefit to that for me. So I like the Leilua move a lot. Yeah, and like I said, only 6% ownership as well for how destructive he can be. Hey, I'll let you lead the chat off on Jack Bird because I know that he's in your side as well. So, I mean, Jack Jack Bird, for, for what he can do in this forward pack, he averaged... I think 65 in the four games he played in the back row last year and still in the 8% own mate and available at center wing to RF. Yeah. And he looks like he's on a extremely potent left edge, quite surprisingly, as we mentioned, I think yesterday on the pod for the dragons, the dragons have 
I wouldn't say an easy run to start, but it's also not really a difficult one. There's a lot of winnable games in there. And even if they were to lose those games, I think the majority of them will be good contests. Um, if we have a similar season to last year, good contests will be high scoring contests. So there's still going to be a lot of room there for points. I'm just trying to quickly bring up birds numbers from last year. So I could be a little bit more specific. I think he's in the centers. In the centers last year. Yeah. So I, I still think he is 67. Hey, Jack bird, so. Jack bird averaged 80.5 minutes a game last year. So he basically played every minute available and then a bit of a, a bit of extra time as well. So it just shows you that, He's getting fitter and fitter post these injuries that he had. What was going on last season? Tom Jaboyevic and Jack Bird both making it through a full season. It's, <laughs> it's weird. But yeah, 67 was his average in the second row, which is where he's going to play. Whether or not he does end up spending some time in lock, well, we don't know. But we don't have crystal balls. I wouldn't be playing the game like that. I think he's a very versatile player. Great work rate. He's going to get some type of attacking numbers on that on that side, whether it's a you know, that he pops off the pass or whether he gets put through the gap himself or puts someone else through the gap. He's that type of player. So I'm thinking that he is a solid 60 plus average this season, given that you can put that at center, that is money for jam. Yeah. So I, I think he starts at 13, but I don't know if Jaden Sewer and Tarek Sims are the kind of guys that will pump at 80 and they've got so many middles. They've got Jack DeBellon, they've got Burgess, they've got Woods, they've got um, like Laurie, like we've touched on these in the, in the Dragons preview, I think Jack Bird will shift to the edge during the games at times, and, and obviously those middles will, will rotate through. So he could play all over the park, and yeah, those attacking stats are phenomenal. He had plenty of tackle busts in the trial, so he'll just rack up points uh, for you all day long. Less than 500k available at center wing, and yeah, less than 10% ownership. It's crazy that we aren't speaking about him more highly. Someone that has come into my calculations today with the unfortunate news of Wade Graham and his syndesmosis is Teague Wilton, owned by 0% of teams, Teague Wilton. 427k is a little bit of an awkward price, but he showed real, real promise last year, and he showed that he could rack up points uh, basically at a moment's notice. And yeah, 0% ownership for Teague Wilton. He he came in, replaced Wade Graham when he came off with that uh, syndesmosis injury on the weekend. And yeah, I'm just going to say it again. 0% owned. I, well, I don't think anyone was going to own him at that price when there was no position in the side for him. But now with Graham sustaining yet another unfortunate injury, I really think Graham's on the path to retirement soon. I think he's going to go down the Cordner path. You can't have this many concussions and this many injuries in such a short period of time without starting to worry about your body and your family and stuff like that. So it's really unfortunate because he's a great player, Wade Graham. And He's a great bloke too. I went to school with Wade. He's super talented, you know, very disappointing. On Teague though, Teague was that bloke last year where everyone was like, oh no, I'm not taking him because he's not going to stay in the side very long. And a little bit a la Hines early in the season, I got Hines right. I didn't get Teague Walton right because I was one of the people saying, no, that's a bit of a trap for me. Um, you'll get stuck with him. They didn't get stuck with him. He played a lot of games. He, he averaged really, really well. He had a good PPM about him and he's just, a, t a tough little player. So if it was an injury, we haven't spoken about Fogarty, but maybe we'll do that a little bit later. If it was a Fogarty type injury where he was out for months, Teague would be a definite option for me. But given that he's only out for say four weeks and that you might only be looking at one or two price rises, 
I'd probably go the other side and just go Nakora for 40, 60K, whatever it is, more money and take the safer. That's definitely his spot option. Yeah, if we knew Wade Graham was out for the six weeks, that's what, four price rises, round three, round four, round five, round six. So that's four price rises that we'd get out of Teague. Um, but yeah, I think I think this one's a, a wait, not a wait and see, but probably keep an ear to the ground to find out more of an accurate time frame on Wade Graham's syndesmosis. Because if it is six weeks, then Teague Wilton at 427K can get you yeah, four price rises and, and yeah, Bob, Bob's your uncle. But is it six weeks from the injury? AKA that's what I'm saying. Like we, we have because we if have it is, to, yeah, we have to keep our ear to the then ground. Then he'll be back in round four. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. We have to keep our ear to the ground on that one. Um, but Teague Wilton, with the, with the information that we had and zero percent ownership, I feel like he was too good to pass up in this podcast. Um, but there is a, a big asterisk on him there. Keep an ear to the ground and see what happens with Wade Graham uh, and two guys that will probably feature in my side that we've spoken about plenty of times: Eli Katoa and Jeremiah Nanai. Now, Eli Katoa owned by. The only player here I don't, I think he's owned by 6% of teams. And Jeremiah Nanai owned by 3% of teams. So 9% between the two of those guys. Big, talented edges with, yeah, new halves partners and, and who knows what's going to happen with them. We've spoken about those guys plenty. Um, we don't need to dive too much into them. Coming into the halves now, one of them is Sam Walker. Now, I've got a list of halfbacks that we can put here. Um, and we'll touch on those at the end of the app. But at 400 and what is that, 55K, 445K for um, Sam Walker at only 4% ownership for what he can do. He's playing, he'll be playing the eyes up role out of him and, out of him and Kiri. For, for all of Kiri's career, he's been the, the eyes up junior. Obviously, he had Reynolds, then he had Kronk, and, and now Walker's going to fill that void. And he could be a genuine game breaker. We saw that against the Tigers. Like, he's just there sniffing for the ball. Uh, teams will still target him in defense. Uh, even though he's still, uh, he's had a season under his belt. Team, don't be surprised. See teams just send traffic at him all day, and if he can stand that goal kicking, that's that's huge at four percent ownership. Teams are definitely going to run at him. I know they said he put on, put on size, but he didn't look very big the other day. You know, he might have put on some muscle, but he's still small. And I he's reckon, still got a lot of size. I, I that reckon. He needs I to reckon he, he could have had a chug of water and put on about four kilos, mate. He's he's that small. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he got on the. Got on the scales, ringing wet. Um, I love the Sam Walker pick uh, until I rejigged my side today after fixing this up for today. He was in my side yesterday. At the moment, I've gone down to SJ just for his duel and for a bit of extra cash to get Paul Momorowski back in my side. I am very high on the Walker pick. I can't believe he's only 4 or 5% owned. I think, yes, there will be ups and there will be downs but I think the ups will be large and the downs will be better than what they were last season. Hopeful that he goal kicks. Um, Wilfred said that pregame for the Roosters last game, that it was Momorowski and Kieran doing the the kicking of goals um, before the game started, which is interesting to me. Um, Obviously we had heard that Walker was going to be the number one kicker. So if he's not kicker, that hurts his prospects a little bit, but I still think he's going to have a massive ceiling. And I really think the Roosters at times this season and going back to the SCG as well, which is something that's a little bit understated because they averaged, I think it was 36 points a game at that stadium over the course of two seasons. I think he's going to get some big numbers. So it's going to be a wild ride, but I personally really want him back in my side. If I can borrow a hundred K from anyone, that would be lovely. Uh, if I can find 100K, I'll, I'll definitely get him back in over SJ. It's just situational at the moment. I'm trying to find that balance of team, 
players. So certain teams that I'm targeting and, and certain positions, I want to stud almost in every position. So I'm still trying to find my balance, but Walker's, Walker's a massive pod for me and I support it wholeheartedly. Yeah. Outside of the Nico DCE ch- chat, I think Walker is the second best stepping stone to Cleary. Uh, you know who my number one stepping stone is because he's currently my halfback. Um, as the backup in the halfback position, Outside of like, there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of guys from like 450 to 550k. Going cheaper, there was little in the pod route, and I put Adam Kloon here just from how he passed. Oh, the, I had him just from how he passed the eye test in the trials. I mean, 293k. He's rapid as well. Like he's a very very quick halfback, probably the quickest in the league, I would say. Um, and he's just, I think he's just going to improve now that he's got a certified starting role. At the Dragons, he was sort of in and out, in and out, in and out. Never really nailed down a spot. But at the Knights, uh, obviously, you've got a star fullback there in Kalen Ponga. You've got a ball-dominant half in Jake Clifford. I think the pressure is going to come off Adam Clune a little bit. And I think he's 1% ownership right now. And at 293K, if you wanted to go Clune Ilias, just dirt cheap halves, I'm not going to talk you out of that if you want to spend the money elsewhere. Look, I'll be honest. I have, I think, three NPRs on my side. And the reason that is is because, in reality, if, this, if I was building a real side, I, was, I would be taking the cheapies and everyone's on the cheapies because we need them. And there's not really many options if you go under 10%. So like I put Jock Matt in there just because, you know, realistically it would have been tough, but something before I did that to, to switch things around, I actually had Adam Clune initially until I needed to find a bit of cash to make my overall side better. I mean this when I say this, I would have Clune and Chanel Harris Tavita as a combination, if both are named to start come TLT, I would have that over Hastings and Ilias combo. I think you'll make more money with those two guys and they're both Bang, 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 brew, firing more shots. Um, Interesting because, yeah, Chanel, very, very talented. Adam Clune, I think he will have, he'll outperform the price that he's at. Um, As I said, yeah, this this is not meant to be a side. This is me trying to get as many options as I can to fit in the budget. Um, that's why at the end of the episode, we're going to have our sort of top fives of each position, no money allowed. But yeah, Adam Clune, this tw- is 293k. I really like Clune. This this podcast is basically devil's ad- advocate. You know, we, we're just throwing in different options from a different point of view in case you're looking for some gaps to fill or for some pods. Oh yeah, if you if you listen to every podcast in the market, you're probably sick of all of us talking about Selwyn Cobbo and and Chris Randall and like all those guys. Like we all understand that they're going to start. But as I said at the top of the show, you've got to have differentials in your side. And that's what this podcast is all about. It's going to be an hour and t- 10, hour and 20 minutes. We're halfway through and we haven't even finished my side yet. So it's going to be a long, long chat of just different options to throw your mind at and and um, look at it from a different angle. Mate, how is Cameron Munster still 7% owned? Like if he was, if he was available round one, 35%. Oh, at least 25%. Um, I think it's purely that reason. The fact that he's not available round one is the reason that his ownership is low. Same as... He's probably got a lot of sorry, same as head-to-head Harry, players as well. Same as Harry Grant. He's only about, he's only owned by 11% of teams as well. Like He just missed the cut um, being oh. at 11%. But yeah, Harry Grant, yeah Cameron, Cam, Harry Grant and Cameron Munster combined, 18% ownership out of a possible 200. Ridiculous. Uh, we just missed out on both Grant and Smith, and that would have made making this side a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> hookers, hookers was grim. Um, but Cameron Munster, yeah, 7% ownership. Like I said, maybe 35 is a bit of a stretch, but I think Bruce right. At least 25% ownership if he was available round one. He looks unreal. Just from the trials, he looks so lean, so fit. He just, he just looks involved 
and I'm happy to ride him for the for the one week because we've got Talatau Amon, who doesn't have a bad matchup round one. I'm happy to ride him out as my 5'8", Von Munster sits the pine for one week because him coming back on his 7% ownership, he could do anything. Like, he's just a guy that if you watch the Melbourne Storm game, you'll be like, oh, Munster's a dud, he's done nothing. And you look down, he's got 75 points because he just does a whole lot of dirty work. And then, yeah, the the attacking input that he can have is just is unreal. And, and that link up with Pap on the left, I'm very, very excited for. And once again, Brew, 7% ownership. For the guy that I feel will be the best 5'8 in the comp this year in when it comes to Supercoach. Yeah. Can you can you stop? Oh, I don't want to take him because <laughs> I don't want to sit I don't want to sit this bloke out for a week. I want to start like a house on fire. So I'm avoiding the people that are missing the first week and I will try and get them quickly. But I, I do agree. I, I don't know if I can confidently say Munster will be the one. I think Cody's still very much in that conversation. He's going to have a lot of good games again this year. It's going to be a great battle. It's, it's going to be a good battle. And I reckon, what did Munster average last year? 71? 70, yeah, 71, 70.1 or something like that. I'm going to go, he's probably going 74, 75 yeah. average this year. Yeah, I've, I've got him at 74 and a half thereabouts. So, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm holding stocks on him. So, if he pumps it, if he pumps it, um, then... At least, at least, his, f- at least his podcast does have some stock in him because I'll I'll be carrying him. Good, one of us can get happy. Uh, food for thought: If Pappenhausen goes down, I honestly think Munster will play fullback. I think they'll bring in Cooper Johns to play in the halves or Nick Arima to play in the halves over moving Meany to fullback because fullback's such an important position and Munster plays the position so well. And God help us if Munster moves to fullback, he's going to get some monsters. Monster, Munster still. If he played, if he monster, 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 monster. If he played fullback, I'd have him over. I'd have him over Latrell. I'd have him over everyone apart from um, Turbo and and Teddy. When it comes to like just sheer NRL, like he is just a freak. Like, yeah, it would be interesting. Um, my other five eight spot. I had Jack Whiten. This looked like a genius move until about four hours ago when Jamal Fogarty is out for four months. So. I mean, put a red line through Whiten now, unfortunately, because he looks so good with, with Whiten. Sorry, he looks so good with Fogarty there at the trials. But now Fogarty's out. It'll either be, what, Schneider or Sam Williams. I'm not keen on Whiten anymore. Uh, we'll put the red line through him. Move on to the center wings. Man, I've given Jared Croker a run. 320K. I mean, we know the way he could do. I feel like we say this every year. I mean, he used to average 65 back in the day. Now, Fogarty's out. It, there's no question on the goal kicking if he does get a start. You'd think Matt Tomoko locks down one centre wing, and then it'd be, what, a battle between Croker and Chris? The really impressive thing was seeing Croker get through the workload that he had to get through uh, in the trials after having that stem cell um, stem cell treatment. Croker used to be royalty. The man. Super coach royalty. Like, and 65 average used to be... The bee's knees. Oh yeah, like, if anyone, if anyone, that's, that shit, if, anyone like. <laughs> if anyone that's new to Supercoach, when Jared Croker averaged sixty to sixty-five, that was like the height of holy of, yeah. crap. <laughs> now, now, if you average sixty-five, you're like a middling tier center wing. A fifty-plus average at center used to be like wonderful, and if they got sixty-five, they were just you know Brian Toto like. But times have changed. Yeah, look, I I had him in my initial build too, and I actually didn't notice he was three twenty. It's kind of. It's not bad. I would actually, if I'm Canberra, I'd give him another go. You know, he's, he's a club legend. He, he played quite well in the trials. I thought he's an outstanding goal kicker. Well, yeah, exactly. Now Fogarty, no, it's probably a, 
Now Fogarty's big hard on Chris. Now, now Fogarty's down. You need a goal kicker. Oh, like you could probably make a case for you that doesn't start a Fogarty plays because Fogarty's fantastic off the tee. But like you've just lost your uh, your backup goal kicker. Like, do you just pick Kroger for his boot? The other thing too is like Kotrick and or however you say that name. I don't know what the commentators are calling him now, but Kot- I'm just going to yeah. call him Kotrick. Um, I think they call him Chotrick or something. It's Nick weird. Nick from um, the Raiders. Big buff Kotrick on the wing. <laughs> um, him and Jared Croker have a very nice combo as well. And defensively, I think they would pair very well together. And if Ricky wants to, you know, firm up that D a little bit, God, that sounded wrong. If he wants to firm up his defense a, a little bit, you could go worse than having Croker and Kotrick on the one side because they know each other very well. They've played together on that side before. So I don't hate the Croker, the Croker pick at all, dude. Yeah, he looks very lost on his own, but pairing him up with Kotrick might be a little bit better. Um, we'll do some rapid fire ones. James Roberts, I mean, he's 270K. Spoken We've spoken about him. Cody Ramsey, uh, the greatest footballer to ever wear a headband. We've spoken about him. Um, Kurt Mann, I think we've spoken about him plenty of times. We don't need to touch on him. Both. Except for one thing. Yep. One thing. How the fuck is Kurt Mann under 10% ownership? That absolutely baffles he, me. He, I think I he's a lock available at center. I think I cheated a bit here because he is 10% owned. So he's like right, right. on right on the cusp. Um, so he's, Kurt Mann at 10%. Yeah, get around it. Um, Bo Fermor, despite all the chat, he's still only 5% owned. And I think that'll yeah, stop. Temp, that tempts me. Once once Kevin Proctor is not named on the bench, my spicy prediction for round one, I think that'll skyrocket to 13 14%. Kevin Proctor won't make the 17. Is that what you're saying? I That's what I think. Because Kevin Proctor... crack. Ke- Kevin Proctor isn't a guy that you carry on the bench. I mean, like, what impact does he provide you off the bench? You start with him or you don't. And my, my bold prediction for round one is Kevin Proctor, yeah, you might get named like in the extended squads, but I don't think he'll feature uh, come round one. I am looking forward to bold predictions this year. I normally do that on Twitter week to week. I, got I can probably chuck them on a podcast. I'm going to get absolutely smashed on socials for some of my bold calls. I did last year and this year it'll be through this microphone here. So fun times ahead. Uh, two more guys I've got here. Rocco Berry at 322k, 2% ownership. Yes. How Rocco Berry's 2% owned is beyond me. Um, he's just got he's brew percent owned. I tell you that brew percent. I like that one. Um, he is just he's incredible. And Sean Russell six uh, eight two hundred and eighty five k six percent ownership. Uh, I think people probably just waiting for him to to get named officially, and then expect to see that skyrocket. Uh, at fullback, there's plenty of options here because you've obviously got the three headed dragon of Turbo Teddy Pap, and they take up a lot of sides. But Clint Gutherson at four percent ownership, six hundred and fifty five k. Probably the next best option out of the, that big four that is available round one because obviously Latrell and I know that he's in your, he's in your pod side. So we'll touch on him shortly, but yeah, uh, Clint Gutherson with Parramatta's opening draw, how good he played on the weekend, 4% ownership. You could definitely do worse than picking him up. And then I've also chucked in Jaden Campbell at 502 K at 3% ownership. Uh, we touched on him or Reese Walsh sort of interchanging in that next tier down. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. 
Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Yes. Uh, so, Gutherson, as we discussed. <laughs> that was your cue to talk. Yes. I know. I wasn't <laughs> sure if it was my cue to start my team or to discuss these two players, but I'll do both in the one. I will start with my fullbacks, which will blend it together. So, Gutherson, eight rounds. Fantastic draw bar Melbourne. He looked electric. He looks like he's got a combination going with Mitch Moses on the right-hand side. He links up quite well with Penasini as well. I feel like over the first, he could have, he's the type of guy that at some point could have a five round average of a hundred plus. And if he's going to do that, I really think it's going to be in those first eight rounds of the season. So I heavily support the Gutherson move. I will admit I do have Paps back in my side. Rumor has it. He'll be good for round one. If not, I will be going Gutherson. As he will be the guy for me if as um, will I. Paps isn't there. Yep. Yeah, so. I, I, I tried with the Pap news originally. I then tried to get Turbo in. I just, I'm just lacking so much with Turbo. Hey, after after the end of the eighth round, over under mm, 83 for Gutho. Oh, if, are you, do you work for a betting agency? Because that's <laughs> exactly the areas... Look, I was going to about to say I think he'll be eighty to eighty-five average. So smack back in the middle. Um, yeah, I'll, t- I'll, I'll take an over. Yeah, I'll okay. take, I'll I'll take the over, and over. Gutho too. Hey, um, I've just chucked your side up on the screen um, for the for the lovely YouTube viewers. So let's start off with your hookers, mate. And one of them I was very keen to put in, but I saw that you had him, so I didn't want to include him. Yeah, so that would be Kobe Hetherington, I assume. I have been a little bit tactical with this side if I was going this route by putting Cotter. In the, in the second row, who, who I'll speak about later, just because they're interchangeable. I feel like one of them will get off to a good start. Therefore, I'll have a hooker option. Realistically, if I could have gone, you know, Grant or Smith, who were both 10 and 11% owned, they would be there. But Kobe's been playing quite well in the trials. I have a serious lack of faith in Brisbane maintaining solidity in their selections, which has put me off them for my own personal super coach side. I don't really have too much in the way of Broncos up front. I've got a few down back. I like the Hetherington option. Uh, he's only very slightly more than say Randall. He's 60 K more than Randall. I think he's got a hell of a lot more attacking upside than Randall does, but you are negative 60 straight off the bat, which is money that Randall can make. Randall's got a safe number nine. I'd say, I think that's his position about barring any injury or suspension. So I like the Hetherington pick. I'll jump forward. Same with Cotter. If Cotter gets the 13 and he carries probably a bit more risk, I think, uh, than say Hetherington does. I personally think that jersey is Lolo's. The guy is on a million bucks a season. If I'm Tama Lolo and I'm getting paid that kind of money and I'm the most important player in the club, I don't care who the coach is. I'm saying to him, mate, that 13 is my jersey. I'm not playing in the eight. Yeah. Do they really want to lose Tamalolo? I know the media is saying, oh, do they need to let him go? Do they want to let him go? No. Who's who's going to want to go to the club if your best player is Val Holmes, who's on fullback money playing in the centers? And then you got Chad Townsend so, on massive overs as well. Yeah, correct. So for me, I, I would put my foot down if I was Tamalolo and say that's, that's my lock position. If it is the case... And Tanua Brown is very popular with the coach, which we've already discussed. And he's been, you know, showing a very good work rate, 1.1 PPM so far and what we've seen in the trials. I think Cotter will be on the bench. Yeah. So 
he does carry risk, but if he is named at lock and we do see Tamalolo at proc, at proc, prop, I can't speak today, guys, then then he certainly is an option and he, he could be a guy that sneaks out a 55 to 60 average and for sub 400, that's pretty darn good. Sub 400 and um, Yeah, my backup hooker is Josh Cook. I tried a few options. I was just short of, say, having uh, young fella Pakes there. So I just put Josh Cook there because, you know, it's really hard to build these sides and make them look any kind of decent when you're, you know. Yeah, this, can't take this was not easy. Building this pod sub was not yeah, easy at it, all. It's the cheapies that throw you out because, you know, instead of. All the good know, ones are already having, named. Or yeah, pick, like pick, I couldn't yeah. even go Blake Taff like as a 205 guy because he's over. 10% ownership. It was really difficult. Um, then we move into front row. We've already spoken about Junior Paulo. We've already spoken about Tanil Brown. They are in my side. Uh, Franklin Pele is under 10% ownership. I really like that move. I really rate him as a player. I spoke about that on the Sharks pod. He's a definite option if he's in the 17. I think you would take Fafita over him just because of seniority. Fafita is probably going to demand more minutes than Pele. Uh, longer term, I'm sure Pele is going to be a super coach option down the line, but given a lack of cheapies, he's on my bench. Then a guy I'm quite surprised by his ownership is yeah, Luke Thompson. I, so I think I think this comes down to Payne Haas being 52% owned because they're both the same price. And if you're looking at Payne Haas at 52% and you're a head-to-head player and you're like, I need something different, I'd be going to Luke Thompson because, yeah, we were worried about his vac status, but then the Bulldogs made vaccinations mandatory. So, obviously, that's cleared up for him. And he is just such a leader in this pack. Like, we saw that in the trials. I mean, he's a guy that will get you 70 points a game with attacking upside at 4% ownership. It's it's the big play going going against Payne Haas and going Luke Thompson. I feel like it's a, it's a balls-on-the-table move, which could pay off huge. I actually disagree with you on this one. I don't think it's Payne Haas. I think it's Davida Pangai is the reason that his ownership is down for two reasons. I think people think that Pangai has more attacking upside, therefore he's the better option. Uh, and I think that people go, oh, well, Pangai's also a little bit cheaper. I'll take Pangai. But they're both dual. They're both similarly priced. One's 582, one's 569. Now, we all saw Tavita Pangai Jr. in prime Tavita form. <laughs> in the trial the other night and a lot of people turned around and said, you know what? Stuff this. I'm not, I'm not picking this guy. He's so dirty about suspended. that. I'm so dirty because so, I was so keen <laughs> to anti-pot him. Um, with, when it comes to Thompson and, and Pangai, one of them is a nutcase and one of them is a mega nutcase and Thompson isn't the mega nutcase. He's just a bloke with a lot of aggression. I still think he's going to demand minutes. I still think mm-hmm. he's going to score quite well. And my advice for anyone that is in a situation where they're on the fence with Pangai, just go up to Luke Thompson. He's still got the duel. It's the same club. He's still got the attacking upside. You know, he might not have as high attacking upside as Pangai does. But, you know, if he's banging out 70 a week in nearly, you know, base and power or, you know, banging out 58, 60 in pure base weekly, I don't think you're going to complain for an extra 14K. So, also a prop forward Luke that, Thompson. Also a prop forward that can find the line as well. Uh, I think he's got a double last year and, and went very close a couple more times. So, he's, he's a prop forward that, that yeah, could score five, six tries this year. Yeah, follow Matt Burton around. I'm sure you'll get a few this year too. Exactly. Um, moving on, my second row, Ken Murray. We've already discussed. Luciano Leilua, we've discussed. Jack Bird, we have discussed. I've discussed Ruben Cotter. Then we have Tupanua. So I have spoken about this previously, but I will 
speak about it again, I suppose. You mentioned yesterday, I think it was on your socials about the rookie halves or, you know, new halves to a club potentially being targets um, defensively. They, they will run at those players and try and tire them out. And I agree with that. Now he's probably playing inside. I would say he's playing inside Sam Walker. I think Curie will be next to Angus Crichton. That could see a, a, an uptick in tackles for him. Might only be three or four points a game, but if it's week in and week out, their points, right? That increases his average. Three he had a 69 or, three, average three last takes year. You, three or four takes you from 57 to 60, which looks a lot better on the eye when you're picking players. Exactly right. And Tupanua as well, had, I think I think you, it was you that told me this stat, had a 69 average from round one to 19 last year. That rooster side, you know, I don't need to bang the drum too much. Injury central last year, they ran downhill, they ran out of gas. So that's understandable. With the draw that they have to start, which is not super easy, but it's also not too bad. But it's the Roosters, and though. this is a, it's, it's not the, and it's, it's the not the Roosters, Titans or the you know? Sharks. It's not, it's not a middling table side that's playing other middling table teams. It's the Roosters. Like, yeah, they might not defend fantastically. That was their issue last year, but they'll still put up points. So I'm really high on Tupanua. Uh, I'm more than likely going to start the season with him. As I said, I do want elements of the Roosters in there and Crichton's a bit too much for me. So I'm going to go the opposite edge. I've been trying to pair that with Walker so I can get the double boom. I, I love the pick and I, I'm quite surprised that his ownership is as low as it is. 8% for anyone playing along at home. 8% for Steely Tupanua for a guy that can go off for 85 points, 90 points. Yeah, too low. Um, but the, the caveat with Tupanua is those 30s to 35s, which which do which are in his game. Uh, we can't beat around the bush there. So is rocks or diamonds, mm. but I mean, yeah, 80 or 70 average between rounds one and 18 last year shows that he can definitely do it in a rooster side that was being held together by duct tape. Finally, in my second row, I've got to be honest with you, I've got no idea who this guy is, <laughs> but I thought he had a funny name and that is uh, Michael McQuirter. Um so I just put him in there because I thought his name was funny. Uh, moving on to that's a great backs. factor as well. So so you're, so we've spent four months doing giving really good breakdown analysis on stats. I spend many many hours looking at uh, different trends and different graphic trends and stuff. And then Brew comes in. This is why I get him on the pod. This is why I pay him the big bucks. You know, uh, top one hundred finish last year, sensational super coach mind, and he gives you great insight like that. Just uh, pick a bloke because he has a great name. To be fair though, uh, I remember I, I picked Valentine Hones in Supercoach eight, nine years ago, because I was like, his name's Valentine. And then he popped off. Uh, so, you know what? There could be some merit there. You know, it could be a masterstroke for this side that is, you know, never going to see the face of the earth. Um, Halfback-wise, Daly Cherry Evans. Yeah. Man, this guy averaged 108 from round 14 last season. And he plays for one of the best teams in the competition. He plays in a team that has Tom Trebojevic. He plays in a team that has a pretty good run from round three onwards. And his ownership was... 4%. I can't remember specifically. Yeah, 3 or 4%. Like, that's madness. I can't believe that. He Spoiler alert. He's easily the second best half. When, um, yeah, spoiler alert. When I name my top five from each position, Daly Cherry Evans is the best pod halfback, in my opinion. Um, just a lot of money to spend, but you do save a trade. I mean, you're probably going to lose cash on him. Is that fair to say, bro? I mean, like, we're going to lose... Early, yeah. Maybe, maybe, maybe ninety-five k. But to have him in your side, and and when he clicks up with Turbo, because that draw from round three onwards opens up beautifully. And if you can't afford Turbo, then getting stocks in DCE is not a bad thing. 
Oh, the way the Bulldogs played the other night, geez, DCE could have a 300 BE and get it in round three. So that's going to be interesting. Sorry, Dogs fans, but you guys were trash last night, the other night. Um, outside of that, Jock Madden, I've already discussed it. Maybe he gets a run at some point. Maybe he doesn't. But realistically, I would have had a Lockie Ilias in there. Um, then we have Dylan Brown. I have spent so much of this week being asked the question, Dylan Brown or Mitchell Moses? And I tell you what, it's a good bloody question. And I'm not sure. I, I personally have gone Brown. The reason I've gone Brown is because he has extremely good base. And I'm that type of guy. I like players that on a bad day aren't going to absolutely ruin my round. I take the occasional flyer, for instance, Tupanua. I'll take that. But in general, I, I more go for the, the safety option. And I think that Brown's safer floor-wise than Moses is. But the flip side of that is that Moses is a goal kicker. Parramatta have an absolutely amazing draw to start the season, and there could be games that he gets 20 points in goals. And if he's getting 20 points in goals, I dare say he's probably got two or three try assists. So I don't know the answer to the question. Pick your poison. Uh, Mitch, Moses is 50K higher than Brown. I'm going the brown route. My poison is, gay. is my poison is and Mitch. So another another topic on this podcast that you and I can debate. Hey, between you and I, are you starting with Dylan Brown round one? At this stage, yes, absolutely. Okay. So I'm this so this brown. podcast has uh, the we might run the entire spine because I'm going to start with Moses. You're going to start with Brown. If pa- if Pappy isn't there round one, we're both starting with Gutho, and we both have read up top. So we could just load up on this Parramatta spine on this pod. I've also got two of them in my centers. So, Parramatta, please do not let me down or I will go back to hating you with an absolute passion and wishing you no premierships for another 30 years. We have, um, we have way too much stock in Parramatta, you and I, so it needs to pay <laughs> off. Uh, outside of Dylan Brown, uh, Chanel Harris-DeVita, uh, I think he's relatively good in terms of his price, 312. That's not too bad. It's cheaper. Then a few other options. It's only slightly higher than, say, a Monet. If he gets the six, with that draw to start, particularly I think the opening either six or seven rounds, surely he makes cash. Surely the Warriors, even if they don't win them all or the majority of them, surely they score some points. You know, they look like a side that can score points. They look like they've got more points with SJ and Reese Walsh. I assume CHT in the six, you know, you've got guys like Barry Montoya. They, there's, there's points in that side. And if they get them, someone's going to get good scores, whether it's SJ, whether it's CHT. So in this particular pod side, I'm going CHT. And I think he could probably make a hundred, 150 K if they get off to a flyer. I'll tell you what, if the Warriors shit the bed, the first five rounds with the draw they have, Warriors fans out there, prepare for you guys to cop an absolute bathing from me um, because I have, yeah, stocks in a lot of Warriors, but I do want to see Josh Curran fail because I've talked him down so much on Twitter, so that's one I'll be keeping an eye on. Um, as for CHT, I think it depends on where he plays. If he gets the six, awesome. If he gets the 14, obviously not not keen. No. So, um, yeah. Agree. Who we got in the centers, mate? Uh, so, I got my boy. Paul Momorowski, he doesn't have much ownership at all. He's only at 3 or 4% ownership from memory. If if you were to goal kick in that side, that's a 8 to 12-point boost on his average. Typically, average is about 55, so that puts you into the mid-60s. He's also going to be playing in a side that has a lot of points in them. 
I believe he's going to be a 70 plus average player. If he goal kicks this year, I know that's a, probably a quite a hot take because 70 is not an easy number to hit in the centers, but I really rate the guy defense, very good defensive player. He showed that he can find the try line for Penrith. He showed that he could do it previously when he was in the roosters. I really rate him low ownership. He's in my pod side. He's in my actual side. Don't let me down, mommy. Couple of uh, couple of next, st- couple of stats on, on that left center spot. So, so last year Josh Morris averaged forty nine. Uh, the year before Josh Morris averaged fifty two, and the year before that Latrell Mitchell averaged seventy points a game. No disrespect to Josh Morris, but his best days were behind him. Um, Paul Momorowski probably has more upside in him than Josh Morris. So if he is goal kicking, um, yeah, I mean I'm not saying Paul Momorowski is Latrell Mitchell. But with the speed of the game and, and how many more points are being scored, seeing Latrell average 70 in 2019, it's not too far out of the realm. Um, I do think that's quite spicy, though, just in general. Oh, it's definitely a spicy take, but, you know, I'm not here to fuck spiders. You don't make friends make some with calls. Um, What do we got? Next to him, I've got Bo Firma. We already kind of spoke about him. It's a very dependent on whether he starts, but it does appear that he is going to start, is, is what we're hearing. So... If Krusty the Clown is on the bench, then by all means, Bo Firma is a great pick, especially as a dual centre. Uh, could easily be a 55-plus average in your centres. That's gold for 380K. Then I've got Rocco Berry. We already kind of discussed Rocco Berry, but I think you said he was 2% owned. I think that's ludicrous. He's only 30, 40K. Then a whole bunch of other options like Guildhart, Amone, uh, even Russell, whose job security, you know, probably isn't assured given that the rumours of Isako coming across are, are still lingering. I'm on Barry. If if Barry can't nail it with that draw to start the season, then you know, God help me, because I'm all in. Hey, after the first five then, after the first five rounds, Coates versus Barry average. Oh shit. Um because I'm just thinking, give- like, I'm just thinking with the Warriors draw and the Storm missing a few, if the Storm do end up missing Coates, not Coates, if the, if the Storm do miss Pappenhausen round one, then you've got no Munster as well, you've got no, um, I mean, Cheese is back now, so that's a bad example. But basically, none of that left side attack is there. Coates has one bad game. Melbourne's draw isn't fantastic for a plethora of points rounds two to four or so. Do you just go Berry? Do you go, do you go Coates to Berry and save the money? Considering Coates, considering Coates is owned like by what, like thirty percent of teams. Yeah, I think people would play it safe, and I guess it's a bit of a FOMO thing. Go so crowd, we yeah. all do it. You know, we, we sometimes we go. You know what? I don't want him to go good. If Barry's two percent owned, I'm not really going to lose out, am I? That's one way of looking at it. I personally haven't really been too high on Coates. I will admit he did look good in the trials, and I will admit if he's on the left wing, which he obviously does appear to be on the left wing. He's certainly going to get a lot of tries. He's going to get a lot of Pappenhausen and Munster feeding him the ball. So he should prosper. He should average well. But at the same time, if those tries don't come, he's going to be a little Josh Adokar-like. I think Rocco will have a a higher floor. Uh, I certainly think there can be some tries slash try assists involved. So I'm going to start the season with Berry. All I want is 55 average plus over the first, say, six weeks. And it's a success for me. But you are starting with Berry? Yes. Huge. huge. Um, Cody Ramsey, I can see that he's in your center wings. We've spoken about him, Sean Russell. Hey, Oliver Guild. Oliver Guildhart surprises me being only 7% owned. 
you'd think a guy coming over, like, I don't know. I just thought the casual Supercoach audience would have bumped him up more than 7%, which I'm surprised about. See, here's the thing. The casual Supercoach audience have no idea who he is. Yeah. True. So they follow the crowd a little bit more. And if they see that his ownership's down, they go, oh, well, there must be a reason why. So they don't jump on him. When you try and fill the team now, out, sort, sort by ownership yeah. and then click the click the top four, the top four guys. So our serious super coaches sit there and go, he's playing for a poor side. He relies on attack. How much attack are they going to get? His numbers in the Super League, whilst good over there, his English, will it correlate to the NRL? Oh, there's so many options. Nah, I won't pick him. That's that's us. That's yeah, true. You know, no, that, that, the that's, veterans and, and the common players. So, that's fair. But he's under 10%. This is a pod podcast, pun intended. Um, he's in my side. I then went Reese Hoffman, basically same type of narrative, lack lack of options, basically. Doesn't he's have in a, the mix. Doesn't have a cool name, though. Definitely doesn't have a cool name. He's he's not Michael McQuirter. Um And then fullbacks-wise, already spoke about Gutho. Gutho's a 50-50 to be in my actual team, uh, Pappenhausen dependent, and beside him, Latrell Mitchell. Latrell's, in my opinion, the fourth, fourth. best fullback yes. option. Um Behind the the big three guys, obviously, goal kicking we assume, but don't a hundred percent know. If he's a goal kicking fullback in a side that's missing Adam Reynolds, who added a lot to the team, him and Cody are going to take full control. Would not surprise me at all if you see him playing a lot more five eighth type play, as well as doing his sweeping plays. That can only mean a few things. He he's a bit like Inglis. If he gets close to the try line. Good he's going to barge his way over quite a few times. He's either, if he doesn't barge his way over, he's going to fend and push and get an arm free and get his little flick out and AJ or someone's going to be over in the corner. So it's going to be junk city. I, I think, I think he's in for a 90 plus season if he stays fit, um, which is massive. So I can't, if he was available round one, it would be a really, really interesting you know, thing him, at the back with with five options. Him, him being him having his suspension lifted round two um, is also really good for Supercoach because he comes straight into a really crap matchup and he has a crap matchup for for the next three straight weeks. So we can pick him up round six, and all those scores should drop out of his rolling average, and then basically it's a fresh start with Latrell match fit and reduced price, which is a a big win for Supercoaches because yeah, I mean it's going to be very hard to pass him up. Round six, round seven, when he's bottomed out in price and yeah, goal kicking and, and his match sharpness is back where it needs to be. Um, that's your side. That's my side. We're done. Uh, I'm going to list my top five quickly for each position and their ownership percentages. So at hooker, at number one, I have Brandon Smith, owned by 10% of sides, 596K. Number two, I have Ruben Cotter, 381K, uh, owned by 10% of sides. Number three, I've got Lachlan Croker, 406K, at 1% owned. And the reason I've chucked Lachlan Croker here, I see you shaking your head, but the reason I chucked him here is because of all these injuries to the back rowers. Now, Bullymore's got a shift in there. Um, Carl Lawton, he was the guy that sort of we were worried about coming off the bench. And then Dylan Walker has just signed with the with the Warriors. So, like, maybe that they, maybe Desi just has some guys in the out and Lachlan Croker becomes that, that guy that plays 65, 70 minutes and 1% ownership. I'm pretty sure he's dual as well. So, could do worse there. Aaron Clark, 2% ownership, 300k. And Jeremy Marshall King, depending on the bench makeup, if there's no bench utility and he's playing 80 minutes at 1% ownership, if you want to be a head-to-head player, cool. But Hooker, Hooker is pretty thin outside of outside of the cheese. 
Uh, front row forward, my number one option is Luke Thompson, 582k, 4% ownership. Number two is Jermaine Stewart brown 274k at 4% ownership. Number three is Junior Paulo, 487k at 5% ownership. Uh, number four is Tabita Tola at 384k, 1% ownership. Number five is new Melbourne Storm captain Christian Welch at 519k, 1% ownership. 2RF, Cameron Murray, 7% ownership, 614k. Luciano Lua, 6% ownership, 539k. Jeremy Nanai, Eli Katoa at 3% and 6% respectively. And I've got Satili Tupanua as my fifth option at 8% ownership. Halfback was rough. Halfback was was hard to, to put in. Number one, Mitch Moses, 511k, 7% ownership. Way too low for Mitch Moses. Number two, Sam Walker. 7%. 7% for Mitch Moses. That's that's Jesus too that's Christ. too low. That's that's too low. Number two, Sam Walker, six hundred five hundred and forty-five k four percent ownership. Number three, Daly Cherry Evans, six hundred ninety-five k four percent ownership. Number four, Toby Sexton, four hundred thirty-four k four percent ownership for Toby Sexton for the amount of height that this kid's received all preseason, four percent ownership. And number five, surprisingly, I've put Jake Clifford at four hundred five k two percent ownership. He looked really good in both trials uh, and goal kicking for for the night side. 5'8", mate. I've got Cameron Munster as my number one. No surprise there. Followed by Dylan Brown, Cody Walker, Jerome Luai, and Jack Whiten. Center wings, Kurt Mann, Jack Bird, Bo Firma, Rocco Berry, Sean Russell. And at fullback, I've got Clint Gutherson, Reese Walsh, Jaden Campbell, Kalen Ponga, Matt Dufty. Wood Chocolatron, Michelin there, but the draw to start with is not fantastic. Um, I am surprised that Kalen Ponga is owned by 8% of teams. I feel like that's 7% too high. Like eight percent for KP, not goal kicking is 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 high. Yeah, Kalen Ponga's relevance has just gone down the toilet. Eight percent is too high. All right, it's eight percent too high in my opinion. Ooh. Some diehard Newcastle fans loan him, mate. That has been our pod podcast. Uh, pretty, ke- I was pretty keen to do this because there's there's definitely some different um, opinions and and options you can have. No one wants to hear the same sides over and over again. Not too sure how many podcasts would go into an in-depth breakdown of uh, Tavita Tola. So we might be the first to, to do that. But it, it just offers a different perspective, doesn't it? No one wants to hear about the same. Uh, in, in classic, there's maybe, what, 50 guys? Like 50 players that people just talk about to fit into a squad of, what, 25? So, like, yeah, think outside the box. And, I mean, hey, look at the way that Timmy uh, Tim Moody won the comp last year going someone like Viliami Kikau at the back end of the season. Like, these pods are, are crucial to your sides eventually. Um the high percent ownership guys are high percent for a reason because they are safe, but you've got to you've got to go a bit, bit bold sometimes to make up the ground. Look, we we dare to be different on this podcast. We don't want to be the same as every other podcast, and you know it gets a bit boring if you listen to the same podcast every time. So we do try some different things. I quite enjoyed today. It was it was interesting actually. I hadn't even considered Totola to be quite honest with you, but given that I'm struggling in the front front row forward at the moment for that second, like I. I I'll be honest. I've got um, I can't. I think I've got Uta Kamano, and then uh, Tanil Brown, Bullimore, and Max King. But uh, I feel a little bit uneasy about relying on one of those two two eighty guys. Yeah, but it just frees up a lot of cash. But if I could find a hundred and Totola can be a safe fifty, geez, it might be worth it. So it, it's not bad. The, the, the shittest take that I heard today, but was. Um, you putting Jeremy Marshall King in the top five pod <laughs> options at hooker. But there's no one at hooker. He thinks he, there's no one he at hooker. He wants to be top five. Oh, he's not even, top, he's not even top five. Of his, yeah. Not even top five of his club. He's not top five in his club. Hey, 
Fuck off. That was my joke. Um, I tweeted it, you yeah, dickhead. So- <laughs> you fucking stole my tweet, you dog. <laughs> I knew I read it somewhere. Um, all good. I'll give points to Josh on that one. So, yeah. I'm looking forward to the next week, man. It's going to be Total, it's going to be a hell of a ride. Total I don't one, even know what our next pot is. Total, what are we doing next? Totola's one percent ownership. I want to see what he can get to come round one. Let's see what actually see how much we can pump him up. I thought when we were talking about the halves, it made me think. I honestly think now after hearing some of those percentages that the halves this year getting the right combos to start that season, it's going to be the key. Like it's going to be the difference between you being. 10k and you've been in that top thousand to start if you nail those halves i reckon you're in for a good season because like mitch moses with their draw and the way they've played in the trials only being at seven percent yeah dylan brown being at four percent like that's out that wow i can't believe that and then cherry's really low Cam Munster's we don't really even monsters low like cleary's probably not going to be there in round one and cleary's probably got 20 30 ownership so I'm really surprised by some of these percentages. Uh, I know a lot of people are scared not to Wayne Cleary, and I totally get that. He is by far the number one option, but I personally can't sit a million bucks on the bench in hope that he plays round two. What if he doesn't? What if yeah, he doesn't that, come that's, back that's, that's, the, that's the issue. Like, like, that's the, that's the, and that was the same with Pap last year with his concussion. I understand it, a shoulder recount, a concussion, two very, very different injuries. But like, what if one week turns to two, two turns to three, and all of a sudden... We're four rounds in. Mitch Moses is averaging 75. Sam Walker's averaging 70. We've got a price right out of those guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, we that, are lucky that Penrith played first. Yeah, that's, that's what, that was my next but point. At the that was same my next time, point. You're going to want a backup plan because, in my opinion, he's either going to get named in the seven and be a late scratch or he's going to get named on the extended bench and then not play. And either way, I think you're going to be sitting there shitting your pants going, shit, is he going to play? And you're going to have to make some last minute moves. And from experience, making last minute moves in super coach is one of the worst things you can do. You can single-handedly destroy your entire preseason in a quick five minute rush before, you know, game one starts and go bang, 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 bang. All right, done. I've done it before. I did it a couple of years ago and I've ruined myself. Yeah. So just have a plan if Cleary's not going to be there because you don't want to make a really fast rash decision at the last minute. Same if you're thinking about getting Cleary in and he is named like he is on the bench and then gets named and you go, you know what? He's playing. I'm going there. Have a plan before you do it so you can ex- execute your moves very smoothly without destroying your season. Um, coming up on the podcast uh, tomorrow, YouTube exclusive. Uh, I sit down with the NRL Don and we basically do a tier list of last year's top 50 Supercoach players. We rank them in draft um, for you guys that are looking for some draft prep. Um, yeah, Don and I sit down. That'll be on the YouTube tomorrow. And as for Friday, mate, oh, it'll either be the predictions or the cheapy podcast. Uh, and then the Monday will be the the other one. So if we do cheapies on Friday, we'll do predictions on Monday or vice versa. And then Tuesday. Vice versa. Tuesday, the 8th of, uh, the 8th of March, will be a very, very first live show. So for anyone listening... Make sure you are subscribed to the Dual Position podcast. Uh, we'll be going live at 7 p.m. to do our very first live show of the year. Uh, all your, your favorite segments, captains, buy, holds, and sells, hot takes, shit takes, you name it. We'll we'll cover it all. Um, but yeah, really excited for that. If you, if you guys can't if you guys can't catch that one live, that's totally understandable. Um, we'll be releasing the the audio. Uh, it'll be there for you guys Wednesday morning when you wake up for your morning commute. So. Yeah, very, very close to the pointy end of the season, mate. I need to stop tinkering with my side. I need to sort of have something in concrete, which I think I do. Uh, and we'll, we'll, we'll team reveal 
in due in due course. For all you people that watch us on YouTube, can you please comment on this video and tell me if hot takes or shit takes is an awesome segment for our regular season? <laughs> all right, well, because that really made me laugh, and I reckon it could be a funny segment. So I quite like that, Josh. I think you might have just come up with a segment for us without even meaning to. Well, there, uh, just there, quickly, there goes, Friday we will do. There goes predictions pod. There goes making any money from the podcast then. <laughs> We, YouTube will be oh, well, no stuff it. Who cares? Um, not um, Friday. Yeah, predictions Friday because I need time if we're doing cheapies, so we can do that one on Sunday. Thank you, or cool. Monday, whatever day it is. Predictions Friday. Uh, top fifty with the NRL Don on Thursday on the YouTube exclusive. Um, so yeah, head over there. We're very close with thousand subscribers. I think we're at nine hundred and forty. So. I've never ever begged. I've never ever begged for followers or likes or anything. But like, if you could get us to a thousand, that before the season starts, that'd be unreal, mate. It's currently four twenty. You know what that means? We got some things to do. This podcast has gone on long enough. I've been the SC Whisperer. You've been listening to the Dual Position Podcast. Thanks for putting up with my awful takes today. Uh, I'm sure Brewers the same, mate. Where can we find? Where can we find you if we want to give some even worse takes? Uh, Brewers SC twenty two on Twitter primarily, guys. All right. Bye. See you. Bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 